0: Guys, welcome back to the next podcast. I am here with Jordan and not Chris Mickelson. It's Chris Mickelson. That's right. Chris, how are you doing? Do you have that sharp object that... We brought oh, the needle. Yeah, the needle. Wait, oh, yeah. Do you yeah, have that? I wasn't no. going to bring that up, but yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, Jordan, why don't you tell us about this <laughs> this needle? <What? laughs> why, why it me? looks good, doesn't it? Oh, dude. Oh, no, no, no. I think oh, we should hide gosh. it under the table before he actually yeah. falls out of his chair again. What,
1: what they are referring to is Jordan decided that. Because we have a, a skin dude, uh, which the, the medical name is... Um, <laughs> dermatologist. Dermatologist, that's who I was <laughs> going with. I called him, I saved him. That was the funniest thing. So I saved him into my contacts because I forgot, I don't know how to spell dermatologist at the time. So I saved skin him dude. as skin dude. <laughs> so I get a phone call like the day of my appointment to confirm that I'm still coming. From the skin dude. From the skin dude. And I had completely <laughs> forgotten what the appointment was for. So my phone rings, I take it out my pocket and it's like skin dude. And I was like... Jordan, what the heck is this for? What is this for? So I picked up the phone and he was like, oh, this is the whatever dermatologist. I'm like, oh, okay, that's skin, dude. So anyways, I show up and, and I walk in the room and I'm like, look, I'm, I don't really go to the doctors too much, but I was a walking safety hazard growing up. And so I was like, I'm going to pass out if you stick me with the needle. Now, don't cut me without the needle, but I'm saying like, just don't stick me with the needle. And he's like, well, that's not going to work. So I'm like, that's fine but I've had four out of four so far of passing out when I get stuck by a (laughs) needle. So he's like, that's fine. I'll just wake you up then when we're done. So I'm like, okay, cool, nothing's gonna happen. And he stuck me with the needle. And, then and I woke he, up and he and was out. done, and it was great. And, and so
0: it's okay. We won't talk about the time that you looked at the wound afterwards and, and passed out in the shower. Oh we won't
1: yeah, mention I, that I at just, all. Hey, it was fantastic. <laughs> I woke up, I looked up, I was like, "Why am I lying down?" I'm like, "Oh, okay, whatever." So
2: <laughs> we're gonna take you out and get a tattoo later on. So yeah, we'll that's weird. dude, and that's the weird thing is I wanted. <laughs> he a wants tattoo. one. Oh, really? I really so I, I, don't I can't like imagine. You'll probably pass out when you get it. No, I don't know. What
0: happens when 12 needles go into your arm at rapid speeds? When one (laughs) singular needle. We'll make you hit the floor. You're gonna, you're gonna break the ground.
1: (laughs) I think it's a social. I think we need to find out what social experiment. Do you want to go get that too with me? We'll do a record. You can get like Jesus loves you. Yeah, right. Whatever. It'll be great. On our belly buttons. It'll be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be. It's a great discipling tool. That is, yeah. Hey, do you want to see my tattoos? Like, psych. Jesus loves you. But um, (laughs) that's a new way of evangelism and speaking about evangelism to steer this sinking ship (laughs) (laughs) the right direction (laughs) in the right direction, Chris um you are a uh, see the, the term street evangelist is kind of like a dumb term because it implies professional evangelism which evangelism <laughs> which is which is what you are but i guess you're just a follower of christ who kind of took it literally yeah right so that's um, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. so so why don't you tell us like how 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 did this start like obviously what is what is your job now yeah and then how did it start
2: yeah so right now we've focused on doing gospel crusades mass evangelistic meetings Uh, Overseas, particularly in very unreached countries, countries that Christianity is only like two percent or less. Wow! And so we've been focusing on doing these crusades, uh, which, again, for those that maybe don't know what a crusade is, it's just an evangelistic meeting where you're trying to lead people to Jesus. And so the whole point of the meeting is the presentation of the gospel, and getting people saved. And so we've been doing this now for the last six years. Prior to that, I worked for a ministry that did that, uh, the Ministry of Christ for All Nations, Mm -hmm. which was founded by Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. And uh, now he has passed the ministry on to his successor, Daniel Kalenda. So I served both of them, learned how to do gospel crusades. They do those in Africa. And um, we decided in, in 2015 that we heard from the Lord, That it was time for us to launch out into full-time evangelistic ministry and to start doing crusades. We started in India, then doors opened to go to Sri Lanka, and then a door opened for us to go to the nation of Pakistan. Hmm. And in 2017, the Lord spoke to me after doing a few crusades in Pakistan that we should do all of our, focus all of our gospel evangelistic crusades, in the nation of Pakistan, and over the course of 2018 and 2019, we saw just over 1 million people receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior (laughs) in those two years. Yeah, so it's amazing what God's doing there. We'll see crowds of upwards of 200,000 people in attendance uh, in in one single meeting, and it's just incredible what God is doing, and and just the hunger and the openness that people have overseas, uh, especially in the nation of Pakistan to their, just their receptiveness to the gospel. It's, it's really special.
0: Yeah. It's so incredible, you know, hearing like, you know, a million souls, it's like always everyone goes for that million number yeah. when you're dreaming of these big goals. But what people don't know, a lot of people maybe don't know is like God didn't just pick some angel to go do this. You, you have a little bit of a, a story, don't yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. Leading up. So what, what did your childhood look like? What it? Did...
2: Yeah. So I grew up in a, in a really good home, a uh, good family, uh, Christian family, Christian upbringing. My my mom was a kind of a secret Pentecostal. Um, <laughs> the rest of my family wasn't really into the Pentecostal side of things, um, but she got filled with the Holy Spirit before she had me, started praying over me uh, even before she had me, wow. and just hmm. praying over me and that God would use me uh, in a great way. And um, growing up, you know, had a great childhood and everything, but in my my teen years just started like dabbling into things of the world, uh, chasing women and, you know, just all this kind of stuff. And then my senior year of high school, I started drinking. Um, and it, it all just seemed like um, fun and games. You know, it's it's high school, that's what you do, right? That's like what the world tells you you, you should do, right? That's not what God wants us to do. But, um, but in the world's eyes, it just seemed like fun and games. But until Um, one time wasn't enough, and then, you know, drinking became something that I did every weekend, and then it went from every weekend to, you know, a few nights a week when I got into my first year of college, and just started partying like crazy. And I tell people, a lot of times when I share my testimony, especially with younger people, a lot of times people think like, oh, if I'm going to be a real Christian, I need to have a bad story, I need to have like this you know, prodigal son type story, you know, I don't have that maybe because I grew up in church or I've always been saved or whatever, but I want to tell people like, my story is not the story should, people should desire to have. Like yeah. the better testimony is the one of God bringing somebody up from a child, right? Like yeah. following Jesus, loving the Lord their whole life. Like that's the better testimony. And so, but my life wasn't, it wasn't really like that, right? Like I went astray in high school. I got into college, started partying, uh, alcohol, then got into drugs. And my lifestyle just started spiraling out of control. I'm... Um, I, I, moved from one school after one year to another school to become a law enforcement officer. I got accepted into one of the top police academies in the country, and uh, I was going to become a police officer. Um, But by this point, my drug habit became so out of control that the only way I could afford to continue doing drugs was if I bought excess and sold them to my friends and made some money so that I could fund my drug habit. And so I became a drug dealer while I was going to school to become a law enforcement officer. And so, yeah. And so after one year of almost flunking all my classes because I was partying every night, um, I decided that something had to give. I need to either give up my law enforcement career or my drug dealing career. And I I chose incorrectly. And uh, I dropped out of so you college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're staging a police officer. I dropped out of college to pursue my drug dealing career. And my life just continued to spiral out of control. And there, there came a moment where I just, you know, things were, so many things were happening. And I knew I needed to get right with God. And um, after several years of living like this, I moved from the small town that I was living in in central Minnesota. To Minneapolis, the St. Paul, Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area, and I remember on the drive down there, I don't even know why, but for some reason, I just knew I was hopeful that something might change in my life. I knew enough to know that even though I loved the the sin that I was living in, the the you know the sinful lifestyle, um, I knew it wasn't God's plan for me. And so for whatever reason, as I'm driving, moving from central Minnesota to Minneapolis, a big city, I prayed and I said, Lord, I hope you send me some good people, you know, when I get to Minneapolis, uh, some good friends. And so when we got to, I got to Minneapolis and uh, had a motorcycle, crotch rocket, you know, 160 miles an hour all the time, just like living life on the edge. (laughs) And I met this group of people and we would all meet up at this coffee shop. I met my wife, my beautiful wife, Amanda, and um, she was working at a gas station that was next to the coffee shop. We would always meet at this coffee shop every day after work. And so we'd go in and fill up our bikes at the gas station I would go in, and I saw her behind the counter. I was like, hey, wow, you know, (laughs) she looks nice. And so I started winking at her to try to get her attention. She was bashful, so she wouldn't look at me. And I thought maybe she was stuck up, because she she had never wanted to look at me when I went in there. And um, anyway, long story short, some friends invited her to come to my house for a party. And we met and started dating and started living together before marriage, which I don't recommend um and um but life was just about the party right and she didn't grow up in the church at all she didn't know anything about god and um and then we ended up getting radically saved um her sister had gotten saved and was inviting her to come to church so we came to church one night um we came to church on a sunday morning and uh pastor made an altar call for salvation but i thought you know what i don't I've not killed anybody, like I'm not really that terrible of a person. I don't think I need to respond to the altar call. And I thought, well, I mean, I haven't killed anyone, at least not that I know of. You know what I mean? Not intentionally. But uh, my life was just a mess, and I didn't respond to the altar call. But the pastor said, hey, on Saturday, on Wednesday night, we're having a special service for parents whose teenage children are dealing with drugs and alcohol. You should come to church on, Sunday, on Wednesday night for this special service. And so all I heard was, come to church Wednesday night for a special service. What he actually said was, on Wednesday night, we're having a special service for parents whose teenage children are into drugs and alcohol. Parents, come to church on Wednesday night for the special service. All I heard was, come to church on Wednesday night for the special service. So God totally set us up. I don't know if there was an angel that, like, covered my ears, you know, for the whole part about the parents. and then All well, the un- drugs and alcohol part. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> drugs and alcohol part. Just all I heard was, come to church on Wednesday. So literally, just a few days later, I haven't been to church in, like, years, yeah. and now we're going twice in the same week, and we we wind up going to our horror, to the wrong service on Wednesday night. But we drove so far to get there, and we didn't want to be rude and leave. So we just decided, well, it's a big mega church. There's just a few hundred parents here. They're sitting way up in the front. We'll just sit way in the back and we'll sneak out when it's done. And while the pastor was talking about these sin issues that we were dealing with, um, God just started to really touch my heart, convict me, just the loving conviction of God. Like I knew God had a better plan for my life. I wasn't on it and I needed to get right with the Lord. And then I looked over, and Amanda is sitting next to me, and she's just crying. She can't stop crying. And so there was no altar call for salvation, but we went out to the car and um, uh, after the service, and uh, we just opened up to each other, and we both decided that night that we needed God in our life. We needed to get right with God. And that night we made a decision to start following Jesus, and that's really when everything started to change in our lives. So that's kind of our... Story in a nutshell, but yeah, I was not uh, a crusade evangelist. I didn't grow up in ministry. I don't come from a ministry family. I grew up on a dairy farm, like literally in the middle of nowhere. The close closest gas station was seven miles away, you know. So like, I I, I like if if people are listening and they're like, can God use me? I promise you, if God can use me, He can use anybody. Yeah. Because I didn't I didn't have the right connections. I didn't have you know the right background i'm not a you know wasn't born to be a preacher you know per se um yeah. but uh but i had a hunger and a willingness to tell people about jesus and that's all i ever wanted to do as soon as i got saved i just wanted everyone to know about jesus
1: so then when did your ministry start so if that's you got saved yeah uh, obviously it sounds like some radical transformation took place and you got your life in order um, how long did it, how long did it take you to start taking discipleship seriously to where you said okay well now I'm saved let's do something about it yeah uh,
2: pretty much right away there there was a period after that night in the car of about two months where I, I like to say that I was a halfway Christian um, I was halfway in the world and still halfway in Christ and so there was this period of time where. You know, I decided now that I'm a Christian, I probably shouldn't get as drunk as I used to get. Yeah yeah that's a joke right (laughs) because we shouldn't get drunk at all disclaimer disclaimer. (laughs) please mike please mike (laughs) so i thought well now that i'm a christian i probably shouldn't get as drunk as i used to Uh so i'm only going to get a little drunk now that i'm a christian i shouldn't get as high as i used to so i'm only going to get high once in a while or a little bit high and so there was this crazy time period of where like I, 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 st- I wanted to serve God with my whole heart, but yet I was still holding on to my past and still holding mm-hmm. on to these sin habits. And there came a moment about two months later where I had a revelation. I was sitting in my car and I was like, God, I've been living for me my, my whole life and it's gotten me nowhere. God, I'm done. That was literally my, my salvation prayer. God, I'm done. With living for me, I'm all in for you. I'm just going to give you everything from here on out. If I, I could die tomorrow on my motorcycle, but mm-hmm. I'm going to live this day 100% for you. You know, I could die next year on my motorcycle, but I'm going to live this next year. Lord, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to give rid you of that motorcycle. Yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I just had this revelation, like, I don't know how long I have left to live, but I'm going to live it all for Jesus. Oh. And um, and so it was from that day, everything changed. I stopped drinking. I stopped partying. No more drugs and alcohol. And God set me free, delivered me that day and immediately started pursuing the things of God. I got a Bible. I started reading the Bible like never before. I felt like, um, like I needed to catch up. You know, I was yeah. 24 years old at the time and I'm thinking... Um, man, there's so much that I've missed, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've not never read the Bible before. Matter of fact, I never read one book cover to cover until I got saved. Even in high school, like, they would have those school reports. <laughs> yeah. i never read any of the books, you know, all the, all the <laughs> way through. Like but when I got saved, man, God just gave me a passion for Him and a passion for His Word. I started reading books about the Bible and different topics and started reading the Bible, and God gave me a hunger for His Word. Like right away, and then another kind of crazy story. We um, it wasn't long after that I got a job as uh, a mace um, in masonry um, and bricklaying, stone laying, that sort of thing. And my boss was a Jehovah's Witness, hmm. and so it was like just a few months into my walk with God, I get this job at, and you know I'm making really good money. And my boss is a Jeho- Jehovah's Witness, and he starts trying to convert me to become a Jehovah's Witness. And I knew for whatever reason, I knew in my heart that what he was saying wasn't true, even though I couldn't refute it in the Bible because I didn't know enough of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew something wasn't right. And I, so I bought a Bible concordance, I bought a Bible dictionary, a Strong's concordance, and I started studying the topics of like heaven and hell, the Trinity, You know, who is Jesus, the divinity of Jesus, and started studying these topics. And I became so full of the word that on lunch break, my boss would have me come into his truck and he would be like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And we'd start talking about these topics. And I was literally almost like converting him away (laughs) from being a Jehovah's (laughs) Witness because he couldn't answer, you know, all of the, the truth of the word of God. And so it's so incredibly important for someone who has just gotten saved. Man, get in the Word of God. It's it's your lifeline. It's your source. It's your foundation for life, for living. And, and um, yeah, so it was like immediately I just started pursuing the things of God. I knew that there was so much that I had missed, and I wanted to get all of it.
1: Yeah, not let, not let any of it go to waste. Yeah, that's kind right. Use all of it. So then at what point did you start, um, like— when did you start winning people to the Lord? Do you remember the first person?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'll tell you two stories okay. to answer that because one is a funny story of what not to do and then the story of what to do. <laughs> Perfect. Um, because when I got saved, I had this passion. Like I wanted everyone to know Jesus and to have this experience that I had, but I didn't know how to share my faith. And so I remember telling Amanda one day, there was somebody in my life that I really wanted to see get saved. And I felt like they probably weren't saved because, you know, that I'd never seen like a change in their lifestyle They They were, you know, in, in a lot of bondage and stuff. So I called, I told Amanda, I said, I'm going to call this person on the phone and I'm going to tell them this, this, and this, this is my plan. I told her exactly what I was going to say. And she was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, okay. So she encouraged me. She encouraged me, (laughs) yeah. And now, granted, she gets if you're you're taking notes, stop taking notes at Uh, this point. (laughs) Put the pen down. Put it down. I see you in the back. (laughs) I'm having a vision. Yeah. (laughs) It's like,
1: wow, like 56 people just skipped this podcast. Yeah, no, no.
2: But I I called this person up, and I did exactly what my plan was. I said everything, just what I had envisioned saying and i called this person up and i said listen you know i just feel like uh, i need to tell you if you don't get saved you're going to die and burn in hell <laughs> that smooth. was that was really smooth really <laughs> smooth, smooth I gospel the love and, and compassion you right through it yeah. it <laughs> struck my heart so hard <laughs> and i was like and this phone went silent and it was a total disaster and i was like god Help me, like, I so want to tell people about the gospel, but I just don't know how, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and that, but that really put me on a course of like feeling like, okay, I'm not good at this, but I want to learn how to get good at this. I want to learn, which is how super to share my important
1: because I mean, like, the people that we'll speak to on a regular basis, like, and we've done outreaches before, yeah. and like, especially the first couple of people you talk to, it's terrifying. Like, yes. I'm, and yeah. I, I talk to Heart everyone. Like, I'm sure chest. you've realized by now this <laughs> last couple of days, I'll talk to anyone yeah. for as long as they'll put up with me. But it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, most people are like, oh, okay, we'll have a casual conversation. And then all of a sudden, as soon as you talk about the gospel, it's like,
2: Yeah.
1: the air gets sucked out the room. No one wants to do it. No one wants to budge. Like... How, how did you get over that? How did yeah. you get over the fear of talking to people to actually reach out to someone? I
2: put myself in a situation where I had to, had to do it. And so what happened was a few months later, we got a prophetic word to go to Bible school that we were called in the ministry, we should go to Bible college. And so uh, we ended up going to Bible college at a school in Dallas called Christ for the Nations Institute. And um, we got there, and I I, I was looking over. Every student had to sign up for a student ministry. And so it could be the drama team, the worship team, you know, fine arts, whatever. And so I'm looking over this list, and I saw street evangelism on the list. And I thought, that's super scary, super intimidating, but I want to learn how to evangelize. Wow. So Hmm. I'm going to sign up for this class just to make myself be put in a situation where i have to share my faith yes. and so i signed up for the class and it was amazing because what they did was the first outreach they partner you up with someone who is comfortable sharing their faith and so i was partnered with this guy who'd been doing it for a long time we go out onto the streets of dallas on a saturday night you know like nine ten o'clock at night we're on the streets ministering to people and i literally said nothing the whole night wow And I just listened to him talk to people. And I realized all of a sudden that I had been making this out to be like some impossibility. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to do this. I don't have all the answers to the Bible, so therefore I shouldn't evangelize because what if they ask me a question and I don't know how to answer the, yeah. the question or, you know, you know, what if they get mad or, you know, I've had all these like fears, but when I went out and saw this guy, just talk to people, just be real with people. Hey bro, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey man, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. You know, we're down here, you know, whatever it was. And I realized all of a sudden like, wow, this is so much easier than I was making it out to in my mind and um, I followed him around all night I didn't say one thing a couple days later we did another outreach and this time we were ministering to the homeless and so we bought uh, food we bought waters and we brought the food down to where all the homeless people hung out and we made this you know huge scene free food free water come get it and you know maybe a couple dozen people came and um, the guy that was leading the outreach he said all right uh, before we give you the food, we want to pray for you. So he said, if you have sickness in your body, raise your hand. So hands started going up all over. And he said, all right, evangelist, go talk to someone near you with their hand raised. I walked over to this guy. He's got his hand raised. He's a young guy, like in his 30s. You know, not the type of person you would typically expect to be on the streets. He, you know, he didn't look mm-hmm. like he should even be down there. And so I went and I prayed for him, and I don't remember what the sickness was that he had. But while I was praying, I felt God speak to me and gave me a prophetic word for him. And I felt like God was saying that he used to follow Jesus, but he's gone astray, and the Lord was calling him back. Mm-hmm. And so I, I began to just share, like, hey, I feel like God is saying this. I don't know if this makes any sense but I, I feel like you used to have a walk with God. He bursts out and starts crying right in front of me. And it's just like, yeah, I used to follow God and, uh, and all of this stuff. And I used to go to Bible sc- studies and everything. And I got mixed up in the wrong crowd, started doing drugs, lost everything, and now I'm homeless. And I was like, bro, God loves you so much. And He is calling you home today. He wants you to to get right with him. And and tonight, all you have to do today, all you have to do is just ask Jesus to save you, and he will. And and I was like, do you want to do that? He goes, yeah, I want to do that. And then I was like, oh, no, what do I do now? (laughs) I've never done this before. (laughs) And all of a sudden, um, I was like, okay, I remember all the altar calls on Sunday morning at our church, so I just fumbled through leading him in that prayer of salvation, just asking Jesus to save him, forgive him. And that day, that guy got born again right on the street corner. And it was like, after that, I was like, this is all I want to do. I just want to tell people about mm-hmm. Jesus. I, I never thought I'd become a preacher, I never thought I would do this publicly. All I thought was, I'm just going to do this wherever I go. And literally everywhere we started going to the grocery store, the gas station, the supermarket, it didn't matter. We could be standing in line to get a movie or whatever. We just started telling people about Jesus, started seeing people get saved all the time. So that's kind of how we got started, like, you know, ministering one on one. And then it got to a point where it was like I was so passionate but I wanted to see more people come to Jesus. And so we had gotten invited to go to a, a conference that Reinhard Bonnke was doing in Dallas, Texas, my first semester in Bible school. I'd never heard of him before, um, but his ministry, for those that maybe don't know, he's led, his ministry has led over 80 million people to Christ over the last uh, 47 or 48 years or something. And um, he came to Dallas. We went and we saw these videos of what he's doing. He prayed over the crowd. And I felt like I really caught something, like just the power of God touched me during the meeting. And I went away saying, you know what? I'm going to try to win as many people to Jesus. Because you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, that's what God wants. That's all he wants is people. Mm -hmm. He just wants people, he died for people, and that's the only reason why we're still on this planet, why the rapture hasn't taken place. The reason is there's still people that are going to die and go to hell unless they get saved, and God loves them so much, he doesn't want that to happen. And he's bringing people like us together to yeah. say, you know what? We're going to do something about that. We're going to tell people about the love of God and the gospel and share Christ. And, and so um, I just had this realization like, okay, I can lead one here and one there. But what if we started leading more people to Jesus? So we decided, you know what, let's go down to the train station. There's always people hanging out at the train station they're easy targets because they're not going anywhere until that train gets there (laughs) and let's go down there and let's preach to the 5 10 20 people that are sitting down at the train station waiting for the train so me and some of my buddies we we got some step stools we would go down um and you know one of these fold-up step stools you might use in your kitchen and we go down to the train station unfold the step stool stand up and start preaching the gospel. And I preach the gospel in like five minutes. I make an altar call for salvation. Some hands would go up. We'd pray for them to get saved. That congregation would get on the train and leave. A few minutes later, my second congregation would come for second service, and we'd have <laughs> second service, third service, fourth service, and we'd just have church down there all day just preaching the gospel, the same message over and over and over again. You know, Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He, he, he died to save you. And, um, and it was absolutely amazing what God did. You know, during that time, and we—that was where I really began to cut my teeth and sh- uh, learning how to preach the gospel publicly.
1: And I feel like I feel like there's there's quite a few people whose hearts have really been stirred by this today. How would you say, or what would you do to encourage people like myself who say, "This is it! Like what you've just said is
2: exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life." Where do we start? Yeah, don't wait for opportunities a lot of evangelists will message me on, on online or whatever and they'll say you know i'm called to be an evangelist i'm called to preach the gospel um, but I don't have an invitation to preach at a church, or no one's invited me to go on a crusade, or they. a lot of times we think that we have to somehow arrive, or we have mm-hmm. to like get this big invitation for the ministry to start. But Jesus' disciples didn't start when they started getting invitations to preach at churches. They yeah. just took the gospel wherever they went. They started right where they were with what they had. And so I would encourage anyone... Don't wait till you have everything. Start with what you have. Do what you can right now and use the, the whatever tools it is, whether it's a podcast, whether it's going down to the train station and preaching to people. Like I, I realized when I was in Bible school that I don't need somebody to invite me to come to their church to be an evangelist and go preach in their church. I can be an evangelist on the street corner every single day and I can win people to Jesus. So I just started and the Bible says that, that the Lord is looking for those that are faithful in the little, right? And so I realized that if I'll just be faithful with the little thing that I have, God will then say, Hey, I've seen your faithfulness in the little thing. I'll make you rulers over much. Right. And so I really believe that if you're faithful in the little thing, God will see that. And he's not looking for the most qualified, He's not looking for the best speakers, the best preachers. He's just looking for the people that will say, yes, God, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll tell people about you who will be faithful in the little things. And I believe God will use people in great ways uh, that will just say, here I am, Lord, send me.
1: And have a group of people who decide to become fishes of men again. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. It would be an amazing experience to see that happen again in this generation, I think. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: It reminds me so much of like, When we're sitting back, if we go back a year, like to the start, like when the vision (laughs) first came to Jordan and I both, before we even knew each other, we both had the vision of seeing the same thing, seeing like the podcast, seeing the TV side of it, seeing the stadiums full of millions of souls coming to God, but not even just receiving salvation but actually being empowered by the holy spirit and not walking out of the stadium like skeletons like actually going empowered to do the works of god and i think so many times we put so much weight on our own shoulders and we don't even realize like once we step out in those little things Mm -hmm. and start doing the little evangelizing like here and there just in the grocery stores or the gas stations like you see god move like god will do a lot of the work for you like you don't have to prep their heart for them like god's gonna work on their heart and i met like you've seen so many ways that God moves like through these crowds of healings
2: and miracles that you can't do on your own right and that all started on the street yeah you know and if you if you can if if God can use you on a street corner, he can use you in a church service you yeah. know with the with the organ playing behind you and the special you know keys and the pads playing you know what I mean I think a lot of times we think that that we have to have um you know, the, the right atmosphere, atmosphere. Yeah. Right? right? You hear and that all the time. You hear that all the time. <laughs> oh, we gotta have the right atmosphere, the right atmosphere. Oh, shift
1: the atmosphere.
2: <laughs> <of> it, <'cause laughs> yeah. crazy, really? yeah. We don't have a worship team here. <laughs> what do we do? I can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember in the Bible it's saying that the atmosphere is the power of God unto salvation, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the gospel is the power yeah. of God unto and salvation. And so we just need to bring the gospel. And I mean, we saw people, we saw people get filled with the Holy Spirit, People that literally just got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and got slain in the Spirit on the street corner. Come on. Not in a church service, no music playing, <laughs> like just the raw power of God on the street. This gospel is real, right? Yeah. And it, and it doesn't. it's not just about a Sunday morning, it's about a lifestyle, doing this everywhere we go, ministering to people. We cast demons out at the train station, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, God... <laughs> is real we saw people get healed you know on the street corner so you know when you start to see that then all of a sudden it's like well if god can move on the street corner what can he do when we have the atmosphere right well what can we do when we have everything right and we're at a church service we're at a crusade (laughs) and and uh, and it's amazing so i'm excited i feel like god's raising up a whole new generation of people who say i'm gonna here i am lord send me use me and i think this is going to be the generation where we see the harvest like yeah. never before i
1: think you're right i think you're exactly right this is going to be a generation we see rise up and and they show jesus to other people and find other people yeah. but um what would you say to someone who who maybe have just heard of jesus for the first time through this podcast and yeah. someone who who maybe needs to find jesus
2: yeah absolutely i would say friend uh, jesus loves you so much And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, you know, maybe you're there. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe there's even people listening. You gave your life to the Lord, but you're like a halfway Christian like I was. There comes a point in life where God is saying, I want all of you. I didn't, I didn't send my son, Jesus, to, to lose all of himself just to get half of you. I gave my son, I gave all of him, he gave all of himself so that he could get all of you. And today, as you listen to this, maybe you're sitting there, you're saying, you know what, I know I need to get right with the Lord. I know my life's not right. Maybe you're not a big, bad sinner like me. But the Bible tells us that we've all sinned, that all all of us are in need of salvation, and none of us have the capacity to save ourselves. There's only one who died for the sins of the world, and his name is Jesus. And so, friend, come to Jesus today. Give him your life. Surrender everything and say, yes, Lord, I give you everything today I surrender my life to you just as I said in my car I'm done living for me lord today I want to give you everything if you want to do that today pray this prayer after me the bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead we'll be saved and so I'm going to lead you in a prayer of confessing Jesus and he his promise is that he'll save you today if you pray this prayer with all of your heart. Pray this with me out loud wherever you are. Who cares who's around? Who cares, if, you know, what's going on around you? Just pray this out loud with me right now. Say this after me. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Today. Today. I believe. I believe. You're the Son of God. You're the Son of God. I believe. I believe. I believe you rose from the dead. You rose from the dead. Today. Today, forgive me of my sin, forgive me of yeah, my sin, fill me with your Holy Spirit,
0: fill me with fill your Holy Spirit. Spirit from this day
2: forward. From, from this day forward, I promise, I promise to follow you the to, rest of my life, to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus'
0: name, I pray, name I
2: pray. Amen. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Friend, <laughs> if you prayed that prayer with us, let us know, we'd love to hear from you, amen. You the, can
0: email us at the uh, info at the next nexus nxt. dot tv TV. no e no e we don't spell it correctly
1: no we don't but you can shoot us an email we'd love to hear from you and get you connected to a local church that you can grow and change the world for jesus and just like he saved you it is now our job to get out and reach the lost and win them at every cost in jesus name all right make
0: sure you follow the instagram facebook uh, YouTube as well. Everything. It's We're all everywhere. under the uh, next TV. We have like
1: Twitter accounts and stuff as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, Twitter accounts. We, we kinda we dabble us. in every part of the media that are social. <laughs> so we have we have a lot of fun doing this Jesus thing.
2: Amen. It's That's not, awesome. You guys. Chris, it's
0: been an honor having you here. This ah, has been such a powerful
2: episode. It's been episode. awesome. Amen. I'm excited for you guys and I feel like this is really just the very, very beginning. God has big, big plans for both of you. <laughs> yeah, amen. I'm excited. Appreciate
1: it. Amen. All right, guys. Well, once again, we are the next, and we are here to inspire believers, equip this generation, and expand the kingdom of God. Until next time, adios.